You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. We're in a series uh, titled, You Are What You Eat. And uh, we've been doing, uh, we just did our first lesson last week, and uh, we're into our second lesson tonight. Uh, you are what you eat. And we've been going through verse by verse um, through the book of Ephesians, and we'll be picking up tonight uh, where we left off. We didn't really get that far uh, last week, but um, uh, we'll be picking up with um, just touching base with verse 5 which tells us that we're adopted, and God uh, obviously adopted us into his family knowing who we were in advance. And what's wonderful about that is uh, he, didn't, he didn't wait to make a decision after a length of time. Uh, he didn't wait until we proved ourselves for a certain amount of years or any of those scenarios. He adopted us into his family already knowing who we were. I'm thankful to be part of the family of God. And uh, so that's kind of where we ended. Uh, we started into verse 6, and verse 6 tells us, uh, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. And um, that, that uh, phrase, accepted in the beloved, talks about self-esteem. You don't have to uh, measure up to anyone else but the Lord. You don't. You don't have to measure up to anyone else but him. And uh, because you're already adopted into his family, he's accepted you as the beloved. And um, so God's um, idea of the beloved is um, that you're part of his family. And... Um, He's excited about that. That's, that's exactly um, why Christians don't need to be accepted in the crowd. We don't need to be accepted by the world, the crowd. Um, you you uh, don't have to have the approval of people around you. You have been accepted in the beloved, into the family of God. And I'm thankful um, Yes, we're concerned about the needs of others without question, but our first need is met by God, and everything that we need is found in Him. And so um, making sure we prove ourselves to each other, um, we're setting ourselves up for failure. But when you're accepted in the Beloved, He already knows that you and I are going to make mistakes, he already knows we're going to fall. He doesn't say if you fall, it's when you fall. When you and I make mistakes, we can still arise. And it's not even based upon how many times we fall, but rather how many times we get back up. Uh, there's something powerful about understanding who you are in God. Okay? And um, when you grasp that, then... Um, uh, family situations, environments that you grew up in, all kinds of connections that you may have at work today, whatever the situations are, 
are not what define you, but rather that you are accepted into his family and into his beloved. And so that's kind of where we end it. Verse 7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, all the way through the book of uh, Ephesians, you'll notice this word according. I stated to you last week that this word according has the same root word as the musical term chord. And it, it, it simply means in harmony with God's pleasure, purpose, and power. And you're going to watch that. You can watch and see that if you take note all the way through the book of Ephesians when he uses this word according. It's talking about being in harmony with God in his pleasure, uh, in his purpose, and in his power. And so you'll notice here right in verse 7, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according according to his pleasure, to his purpose, and to his power, uh, to the riches of his grace. Um, you, we, we really need to quit worrying about our current condition and start focusing on how powerful God's riches is of his grace towards you uh, and his desire for you to spend eternity with him. Uh, notice he says, uh, forgiveness of sins. Uh, I mean, he's talking about redemption and it's according. It's pleasurable of God. It's purposely uh, done by God. It's powerfully performed by God because where he is, that's where he wants you to be also. Amen. And so, uh, when you see this word according, uh, he, he's got an eternal purpose for you and I. And that is to understand who we are in him. Last week, we focused on how blessed we are in him. Uh, if we fully ever grasp or understand uh, how powerful we are in him, when you receive the baptism of his spirit, you received him, Jesus, into your life. That makes you powerful. Not in yourself, but because he is powerful, and he has filled you with his spirit. Amen. Uh, uh, anytime the devil says to you, uh, that's just normal human behavior, or uh, th that's just the way it's going to be, uh, remember two things. Normal for the believer is not the same as normal for the person who is a non-believer. It's not. You, uh, you don't have to accept things as normal. And number two, uh, you, you always have to remember the devil's a liar. <laughs> you got to keep that in mind. Anytime you feel like, well, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to have to accept the current condition that I'm in. No, no. He has provided redemption for you. He has provided forgiveness of sins. He has pleasure, purpose, and power because of his grace in your life. You get to be a child of the king. I mean, that's not, that's not a nobody. That's not an afterthought. That's not, uh, you know, God taking parts left over and putting together and making you. No, no, you, you, you have, uh, you bring pleasure to God. You bring purpose to God and you 
obviously have power with God. And so uh, you have to remember that our flesh, the enemy, uh, it, it's, it's most often not going to tell you the truth. And it's not normal behavior for the believer as it is for a non-believer. Uh, he says in verse 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Abounded toward us. That, that word abounded means overflowed. Overflowed towards you. Prudence means wisdom that's acted out. You, you, you need abundance, more than enough, an overflow of God so that your blessing can overflow to others. He, he, he is so awesome in how he, he ministers to you and I that he doesn't say, well, you know, that's enough for today. Uh, I'll get them close to the top. Uh, um, okay. Let, let me let me explain it to you this way. I have weird things that that set in my head. I think you've figured that out in ten years. Weird things. So currently, has anyone noticed that you can put a lot more gas in your tank than you were used to putting in? So you know you put in the little card and it used to come up that you could press the eighty and that was. Well enough. It was never going to get to the 80. Now, it took me a while in my life to figure out that it actually only takes out of your account what you actually put into your tank. I always was nervous about that. I know I shouldn't have been, but when I pressed 80, it's like, I don't know if it'll take 80. And, uh, you know, anyway, I, I got past that. So now it's not 80. It's 100. <laughs> Okay, and, and so what happens is, and this goes past that, and you press the 100, and somewhere's around 98, 98.50, surely at the beginning of 99, that pump slows down to a crawl. Anyone ever notice that? Okay, does that annoy you in any sense? Does me, annoys me. So I'm going to put in 120 if I only want 100 because I want that to go full blast all the way to 100. Yeah, see, some, I know some of you, it does annoy you. You just won't admit it. I don't like the last dollar, although it doesn't take as long as it used to. I don't like the last dollar, how slow it is to get to the hundred, and then obviously it stops right on the button, right? Well, uh, in in the natural life, okay, that's that's kind of annoying to me. Don't don't worry about it. I'll be okay. This is what God's not doing. He's not doing your life spiritually like that. Well. <laughs> This is as far as they're going. This is all they've earned. This is all they paid for. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to slow it down on the last dollar. I'm going to slow it down on the last blessing. I'm going to slow it. No. No. The Bible says he overflows your life. He's not worried about stopping it on the dollar. He's overflowing your life. He allows it to overflow to such a way that your life can be a ministry to others. 
He's not interested in stopping it right on the button. This whole idea that he will overflow your life, he, his wisdom is acted out in your life. The idea is more than enough. Sometimes I come to the tank, and some tanks have a button, fill it up. <laughs> fill it up doesn't stop at anything. It'll keep going until you're done. The only thing then that kind of bothers you is that it's 110, 115. Okay, I got to get off that. It's an overflow of his blessing, an overflow of his presence, an overflow. It's abounding towards you in wisdom and prudence. Having, verse 9, made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So he's overflowing in your life because that's his will. He hath made known unto us the mystery of his will. According, it's his pleasure, it's his purpose, and it's his power to abound or overflow your life. And he goes all the way through the verse 10 and says, together in one. That's in heaven and on earth. See, we're part of a huge family. And one of us might be strong at any particular time, but when we're joined together, when we're bound together, there's an overflowing that happens in the family of God, the body of Christ. Together, we are strong enough to accomplish what God wants to do through our lives. That's why Paul writes and he says, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Taking heed. Taking heed lest it's me the next time. Oh, oh God, help us. To, to help us to understand that God's not just trying to help you get by and, and just trying to make sure you survive. Or, no, he's interested in abounding your life, overflowing your life, letting the family of God, the body of Christ, uh, not, not be uh, some skinny, powerless church. No, together we become strong. You are what you eat. You start thinking about what God's doing through your life. You start thinking about his, his pleasure and his purpose and his power and something happens inside of your, your life. And, and God, this, this musical theme that he has, there, there's nothing that sounds better than when the, the chords are right and everyone's singing on tune and we got some incredible ears in our music department can pick out if something's not quite right and I was walking back and forth on Sunday and I heard the conversation happening on the platform no one will know if 
No one will know if that's right or wrong. And Troy spoke up and said, oh, you don't know. People know. It's a musical ear. You know what? That's the same with the family of God. Oh, it's so wonderful when the overflow is happening in the family of God. And there's a strength that comes from brothers and sisters. And, and you receive the blessing that God has for you. And you, you, you realize who you are in God. You become what you eat. That's how, that's how we approach life. And it's not a gloom and doom and, and a sadness and, and, and over, oh, being overwhelmed. No, no. We realize who you are. And you realize who you are in God. Okay, let's move on. This is what verse 11 says. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Be predestinated according, again, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Um, you see, again, the word according in here. Pleasure, purpose, power. The key word in this verse, you'll notice, is worketh. God is constantly, constantly manipulating and working and moving and maneuvering and arranging things according to his purpose. And he's continually beckoning us closer. And he's, he's trying to draw us into a greater walk and a deeper walk and a, and a more substantial walk with him. And, and, and he, he removes the, coincidences of of our life and he said listen i got i got pleasure and purpose and power ready for their life i'm gonna i'm gonna have this working when you see eth in the scripture it means it's continually happening it's continually happening in your life he's worketh he's worketh he's working a continual process in your life my life we, we, it's not a destination, folks. We don't arrive at a certain point and we've arrived and that's it. No, it, this is a process, a continual process that God's working in our lives on a continual basis that there can be an overflow of his blessing. He's maneuvering your life, my life. Uh, listen, he, he, he arranges things in our lives that, that allow us to, to fall into a place where he's continually working on our behalf. Sometimes we don't even see it. And the song goes, even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. Sometimes you don't feel it and sometimes you don't see it. But it doesn't mean that he's not working. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that, ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Um, this working, he's, he's getting us to a place, and the Scripture tells us here in verse 13, uh, where you and I are sealed. It's incontestable. That's why they agreed to baptize the household of Cornelius even though they weren't Jews because the Holy Ghost had fell on them as it had on them in the day of Pentecost. And the response was, they have received the Holy Ghost 
as well as we. The sealedness is done by God through his spirit. Notice, the Holy Spirit of promise. Doesn't matter what country you came from. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter what education you have. Doesn't matter how economically sound you are. If you've been sealed with his spirit, you're a blessed person. There's an overflow of your life. Listen, I I said it last week, I believe. There are things that cause holes in our bucket, and it, it seeps out from time to time, and we have to be refreshed and renewed. But when you're sealed with his spirit, no one else has any say. No one else has any say about your life. God seals you with his spirit. You're sealed with his promise. His promise says you're adopted and you are part of his beloved. And when you're part of his beloved, he's not just trying to get you through. He's wanting there to be an overflow in your life. He wants there to be an abounds, an abundance of, of his presence and spirit in your life so that it flows through you to others. He's continually working his pleasure, his purpose, and his power in your life. Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. The word earnest means a down payment. A down payment. What, 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 what does that mean? He's made a down payment on me. Anyone remember layaway? At the Metropolitan, or Zellers, or Kmart. Maybe there's others. Those are the ones I can remember. You could make a layaway. You just had to put a certain amount on, on a regular basis, and they would hold what you purchased. You made a down payment. No one made a layaway to say, you know what? I'm just going to forget about that. Who cares? I'm not going back after that. No, you made a layaway because you thought someone else was going to get it. And you wanted to get the last one. And you didn't have all the money to pay for it. But if you put a little bit, they would save it for you. Well, what's the wonderful thing about the Lord? He... He's made an earnest, a down payment. He, yeah, you're still on this earth, but he's coming back for you. He's coming back for his possession. He ain't going to do a layaway and forget about it. Oh, no, no. He's already paid the price. He's coming back for his possession. He's made an earnest. He's got it all set. He's not going to leave you by yourself. I'm not just a human having a spiritual experience. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. I'm not, well, this is going to be some fantastic thing while I live here on earth. No, no, no. I'm just here for a short time, and I'm going to live with him. He's coming back for me. <laughs> Amen. There's an overflow of blessing that happens in my life when I start thinking about that. He's coming back for his layaway. I think it's a little greater than that, but I'm just using that silly example. Cease not to give thanks 
Oh, I'll read verse 15 first. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Notice now, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. In the saints. You don't need to know uh, what you have in God nearly as much as you need to know what God has in you. I mean, you are part of what he purchased, gave his life for, and his excitement about you being adopted as part of the beloved is not uh, something forced. I said it to you last week. People who adopt kids don't adopt kids because they don't want kids. They adopt kids because they do want kids. When God adopted you, it wasn't, well, I guess I have to take them. No, no, it's the opposite. He gets to. He's waiting for you to spend eternity with him. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm excited about you're part of the saints uh, of the living God. You don't need to know what you have in God. What has God got in you? I mean, he, he, he's so excited and in love with you that he's preparing a place for you that where he is, you may be also. That's what the Bible says. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? According, notice according again, to the working of his mighty power. His power to usward. This is his inherent power that is in our possession but dependent upon our releasing it or activating it. And it works according pleasure, purpose, and power of God. It works according to God's dominion and his power or his authority. So everything that God is doing in each of us is to bring glory to him. He is his power to usward. That's the inherent power of God, the almighty power of God that's absolutely dependent upon him. But as soon as you and I activate that power and that presence of God in our lives, we have the opportunity to bring glory to him through that power. It's not about me. It's only about him. I'm just the channel. You're just the conduit. You're just the vessel. You're just, you and I are just the, the opportunity for God to use. Timothy writes about, Paul writes to Timothy, and he's, he's telling them, a vessel ready for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. It's his good pleasure to have you adopted in the family so he can brag on you. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I'll admit it myself. I've bragged on my kids a few times. 
and I'm sure you may have as well. You ever let people know how good they are at something? How well they did at something? Okay, we, we don't mind bragging on them. Anyone willing to admit it? Sure, sure. Yeah, we're willing to brag. You, you imagine? If we're willing to brag on our earthly children, how much do you think God's excited about you? How much do you think he's excited about you? You're not a drag to God. You don't, you don't bring God's spirits down or depress him. or you don't, You're not a burden to him. He doesn't try to ignore you and avoid you. He doesn't say, you know what, that's not my kid. What they just did, my kid wouldn't do that. He doesn't, he's, no, that's not how he acts towards you. He's excited about you. He takes you and your faults and your failures, your ups and your downs, your ins and outs. He takes all of that. He said, I've adopted them. They're mine. I've claimed them. Huh? I'm not giving up on them. I'm not passing them in, trading them in, selling them. No, 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 none of that. No, no, he's, he's actually the opposite about that. He's pretty excited about his power and glory being seen through your life. You know, I think sometimes we get worried about being conceited about who we are in God, and God's thinking the opposite. He created you in his image, and he's excited you're, you're his child enough that he wants you to spend eternity with him. Nothing about that is sad. Nothing about that is gloomy. Nothing about that is, is, is uh, disheartening at all. It's the opposite. Um, okay, verse, verse, verse uh, 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand, in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Uh, the Old Testament defining event of God's delivering power was the crossing of the Red Sea. Israel and, and the Lord continually referred back to if you notice throughout the Old Testament, they're continually talking about the crossing of the Red Sea, and rightfully so. I mean, that's a pretty incredible event that took place. Everyone is in dire straits. There's a huge body of water, and all of a sudden the water separates, and they walk across on dry land, and the water comes in and consumes the enemy. I mean, it's a powerful story for the rest of, of time. That's the defining moment in the Old Testament that they look back to. In the New Testament, the defining moment is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm thankful that he died. Yes, I'm thankful that he was buried. But the power is in the resurrection. People could have been killed and 
put in tombs and that would be the end, but not for Jesus. The point of reference is for God's power in an individual life is, is when he resurrected and that resurrection brings life to you and I because death is the greatest enemy that we will ever confront. And, and, and Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus and he says, listen, this is a defining moment. This defining moment was far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come. And he talks about the right hand. That's a figurative language for the place of power. And when you realize whose child you are, and, and that there is no one more powerful and no one sits in a greater position of power than your heavenly father who, who took this defining moment of the New Testament. If it, if it wasn't for his resurrection, we would have no purpose of joining tonight. Because all we would be caught up is in religion. But because of the resurrection power of Jesus, you can get caught up in relationship. Understand who you are in God. You're his child. He's your heavenly father. You're, you're, you're uh, his creation. He's the creator. You're a child of the king. <laughs> a child of the king. Now, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know if anyone else gets kind of caught up in all the monarchy stuff that happened last week. A little bit of all kinds of stuff was happening there with the queen. 70 years in power. Never been done before. Um, first first uh, person to be in a monarchy for 70 years. And they did all kinds of celebration and uh, all the conversations about who was allowed on the balcony and who wasn't. Seriously. I mean, the news is totally caught up with. Who's allowed on the balcony? Who wasn't there? The frowning that happened because they weren't allowed. They were probably in the back room whining about not being allowed on the balcony. One claimed to have COVID. That was a good excuse. All kinds of things were talked about. This celebration of the queen, who was on the balcony, who was making funny faces. And they're still talking about the kids. Well, let me tell you, your heavenly father, he doesn't have any problem welcoming you right out to the balcony. You don't have to stay in the back room. You don't have to take a back seat. You don't have to worry about anyone else taking your place. You're a child of the king. You're, 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 you've been adopted into the beloved. Hallelujah. You're part of the family of God. You're part of the inheritance of God. You are his child. He's sitting at the right hand of the place of power. And, and notice this. Uh, we'll, okay. I'm trying to finish chapter 1. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his 
body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Paul's writing and he says, he's so powerful that everything is under his feet. Everything. I mean, it's so below God that nothing can rise up and challenge him in any way. And we could say, you know, that's awesome, he's God. But Paul didn't leave it there. Paul said, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. If it's under his feet, that means it's under his body. That means it's under you. Because you make up his body. No, you didn't get it. That means you don't have to worry about what comes against you. If it's under the Lord's feet, it's under your feet. Because you make up his body. What am I, what are you trying to say, pastor? The enemy ain't going to bring something against you that surprises God. He ain't going to bring something against you that God's got to come up with some type of a a plan uh, uh, of his dilemma. No, no, no. It's already under God's feet. Uh, That means it's already under your feet. Uh, You're his child. We need some spiritual self-esteem. I think we need to take a little check of who we are. Okay, I'm not, I'm not talking about, um, you know, we're saints of Mission Point. I'm not talking about that. You know, I was born to Edward and Joan Carter. No, I'm not talking about that. Oh, I need to tell you that I was talking to my dad last Thursday after Wednesday, and he he, he, he was straightening me out on the vegetable thing. Especially the baked bean thing. Oh, he'll be listening again tonight. Not because of who I was born to. It's because of who I was born again to. It's because of what happened in my life when I gave my life to the Lord. It's because of something that got into me that is Him. And when you realize who you are in God, you're not worrying about trying to measure up to anyone else. Man, you'll always be disappointed if it's people. But you'll never be disappointed if it's God. Ever. Oh, God. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You know what Paul's talking about? He's talking about that resurrection power. He become a quickening power to you and I. You have the same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead. 
when the resurrection took place and Jesus came out of that grave, I mean, the earth shook and the mountains were rent. And the Bible talks about, and we don't talk about this too much, is a very interesting fact in my mind, of all the people that came back to life. We don't know how long they were dead. All we know is they had to die twice. No, seriously. When Jesus was resurrected, there was resurrection power that affected people in tombs around where they were. That happened in the natural. Can you imagine what happens when we realize that we have the same resurrection power in us in the spiritual? Doesn't matter what anyone else told you you were. Doesn't matter what else you had to go through in life. Those things are all vital and they're all important, but it doesn't define you. What defines you is the resurrection power of Jesus in your life that changes who you used to be to who you can be. Oh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Hallelujah for the resurrection power that happened in my life. He quickened me. Every time I, every time I get a little down, Anytime I need a little refreshing, anytime I need a little renewal, you can go right to this verse. And you, hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. This is what you used to be. This is what you are now. Death in the scripture is separation. We were dead in the most significant way. Dead spiritually. And just as your body separated from your spirit cannot function on the earth, your spirit separated from God's spirit cannot function in God's kingdom. But boy, when you put the two together, there is a quickening that happens in your life. And something takes place. Physical death silences the body. Spiritual death silences the spirit. We can be walking around alive naturally, but be dead spiritually. But when his spirit that raised him from the dead, which dwells in you, quickens you, that transforms your day. That'll transform your mind. That'll transform your spirit. That'll transform your thinking. That'll transform your heart. Something quickens inside of you. Oh, God, I thank the Lord for the power of his spirit. When I'm just feeling a little down, a little in need, a little refreshing, I find myself, find yourself lost in his presence and in his spirit because there's a quickening that will happen in your life. Okay, I've got to end it with here. Verse 2. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. According to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Because we were dead, we tried everything possible to make ourselves feel alive. That's basically where 
life and sin comes, comes from. But a little, a little, um, moment of time in God's presence takes that emptiness of my life and fills it with His Spirit and brings this word according, a musical chord of pleasure and purpose and power in my life. And the prince of the air, the one who tries to create the atmosphere on this earth, has no say. He has no say in my life. Seriously, the enemy cannot dictate a life that is full of God's Spirit. Uh Uh-uh. I'm adopted. And I have been sealed with His Holy Spirit of promise. And even though the enemy has been given as the prince of the power of the air, and I live in this world, I am not of this world. Because he's filled me with his spirit. I'm sealed with his promise. He's working in my life continually. Listen, I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about you. Understand who you are in God. And when we get a full understanding of how blessed you and I are in God, we'll realize, listen, we're, we're, you don't have to take a back seat to the enemy. No. No, you don't. You don't at all. It's the opposite of that. You can rebuke the enemy with a single word of the name of Jesus, and he has to flee. You don't have to become consumed with disobedience, uh, as is mentioned in this, in this verse, that the prince and the power of the air is working and trying to continually mess up the uh, people. He calls them the children of disobedience. I don't have to give in to the enemy's devices. I don't have to give in to what the enemy's trying to do in my life. I don't have to submit to that. No. Understand who you are in God. That's why when you look at powerful scriptures like when Moses goes off the scene and Joshua is ready to take over, and you start to read Joshua chapter 1, and it simply states, Joshua, wherever you walk, that's your land. Wherever you walk, that's your land. Joshua didn't. He wasn't full of the Spirit. But he had an authority that he knew who he was in God. And they're passing out land, and they're passing out land, and all the tribes are receiving land. And one tribe says, the land is not enough for us. It's not enough. Well, you know, it's too bad. That's all that's left over. You know that you're, you're going to have to try to make it do. Just build up. Well, that's not what the answer was. The answer was, if you want more land, go and take it. If you need more land, then go and get it. That's what the answer was. That's what the solution was with God's people. 
Well, in the day that we live in, okay, we're not taking land in the sense of actual land. But you don't have to give in to the enemy. Well, you know, it's been a rough week. It's been... Get yourself in the presence of God. Let the Spirit of God that sealed you, uh, hallelujah, let it refresh you and renew you in His presence. Uh, the enemy has no authority over you. Start to sing and praise and worship God and lift Him up. Uh, hallelujah. The enemy has to flee. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. Let me tell you, the enemy, oh, the weapon that is formed against you shall not prosper. Understand who you are in God tonight. Oh, I know it's Wednesday night. It shouldn't be getting all excited. Stand if you would. It's hard not to get excited when you realize who you are. Hard to, hard to stay silent when you're, you're a child of the king. You've been adopted into the family. You're a part of the beloved. He sealed you with the spirit. He's continually working through your life to show forth his power. Oh, hallelujah. It's under, it's under your feet because it's under his feet. You're part of his body. Amen. You don't have to give in to this world or the enemy of it. The Lord's already defeated him. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.